Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show from AsylumFantasySports.com and the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back into the Asylum. Drop us a line, asylumfootball at gmail.com or asylumfantasysports at gmail.com. Re-recorded tonight so we can't take any phone calls, but hit us up at Asylum Football. All your questions leading up to the slant, we will get them answered both via at Asylum Football and Sunday on the slant, so get those in at Asylum Football. Well, Rick, week two is in the books Big change from week one, lot uh, a mess. Everything's a mess. I don't know what to make of this season so far. No, I mean it started off. Oh, well, Tampa Bay just looked horrible in week one against Tennessee. Turn around, go to New Orleans and beat the Saints. Yeah, explain that one. Tennessee looked like gangbusters against Tampa against- Bay. Get they get beat. Knocked around by Johnny Manziel, for the love of God. Of all people. Pittsburgh. Can't really say much about Pittsburgh. They ran all over San Francisco. They ran up and down the field in New England. Right. That offense is basically unstoppable. And, uh, you know, what more can you say? i tell you what. One of the most significant games, I thought, was Oakland beating Baltimore. Right. Yeah, Baltimore looks to me like a team that's really in trouble. And now they don't have Suggs. Right. Which is the heart and soul of that defense now. And i tell you what, I, I'm not worried. But if I was a Baltimore fan, I'd be worried about that team. It's a team that seems like it's, it's lacking an identity. They're certainly lacking their identity. Coming off a year, and we spent a lot of time talking about them, and we'll probably get into them later where Justin Forsett took over the reins, running the ball. They were a ball-controlled team under Gary Kubiak. He's gone. The run game hasn't been successful. That's gone away. Justin Forsett struggled. You lose Terrell Suggs. That team's terrible in the secondary. They're trying to go wacko for Flacco. I believe he threw the ball handy 50 times last week. You've got no weapons on the other side, save for Steve Smith, who put together a great game. And let's start with the the pats on the back, because I'll call myself out later, too. That was my start of the week with Steve Smith last week with the banged-up secondary in Oakland. But no weapons to speak of outside of him. And I believe he's about a month and a half older than you are, and he's about seven, four foot seven. So this isn't a guy you can count on to be your total offense. Ask the Carolina Panthers. It's just – I don't know what they are. I'm not even sure what they're trying to be. If you're trying to be – Joe Flacco throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. Maybe when Brashard Perryman, if he ever gets healthy and can play, maybe he – you don't have the horses for that. The run game isn't working. They're not willing to commit to the run game. And this team has been based in defense for 20 years. They don't have the horses there. Then you lose Terrell Suggs. This was a sexy pick for a lot of people wanting to go against the Patriots and the Colts. This was the third team you heard mentioned as Super Bowl contender in the AFC. And to be honest, I don't know what anybody based this off of. No, I don't either. And, um, you know, everything that I've seen so far, they're in trouble. And, and they really are. Another team that, boy, you talk about lack of identity. Just bullied Seattle in week one. St. Louis Rams. Right. Then they go to Washington and just get clocked. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't get that. I don't know who Washington is. This is intriguing, and I don't know if we'll get to it on this show or on our Fantasy Sports Network show. But it's somewhere along the line. I don't want to do it right off the top. We got to have a real conversation about Jones and Morris and how how all that's going to work. Eighteen carries for Morris. Nineteen for. I just went blank here. Jones. Jones. Jones obviously had more success, had the touchdowns. You know, in a fantasy football parlance, I think you could see if that distribution stays the same. So the first thing it tells me is they ran the ball almost 40 times. That's what we talked about in the preseason where they wanted their identity to go, and it seems to be working. It makes sense. That offensive line's a lot better than I thought it was. But as a fantasy owner, Jones shined in the preseason. You know, and everybody had to right. temper their expectations because it, you always see these running backs do this in the preseason. Morris played so well in week one, and now with an equal amount of carries, 
Jones doubles the production. But if they consider you getting equal amounts of carries, I think you could see that flip-flop week to week. Yeah. It could be Morris, or it could be split evenly. There could be one week where they both, and then you've got your classic Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams we always talk about. At what point are we to the point already? I'm probably going to need to see at least another week uh, of Jones to see, is this guy a viable start every week? What's it do for Alfred Morris? This, may, this might be a discussion for later, but something to really, really keep an eye on. Yeah, it is something to keep an eye on. I mean, this is the type of stuff that, you know, especially in the first couple of weeks, it can drive you crazy. Um, another case in point, Atlanta. Roddy White had one target in a game where he's healthy and playing. Leonard Hankerson had 11 targets. Is this the beginning of the end of Roddy White? Was it just the way the game dictated yeah, was itself? Was it a matchup? You, it, you don't know. It's, I know. It's impossible to figure out. I think you made the point we were talking earlier this evening off the air about the time, and this is your boy, Roddy White. You own him on every team. You pull him out of that flex spot this week. We know what's going to happen. Well, yeah. So, really, I think you decide this, Rick. Actually, this is incumbent upon you to let all fantasy owners know what you're going to do so they can fade you. If you keep him in, he's going to continue to average three targets a game. If you bench him, here comes the big week. Here's Rick Flager's start of the week. So, I think it's up to you. You, right. you decide this. This is all on you. I'll have to think about that and let you know later. It's just like as we get further into the season and I start making trades, Yeah, here's something I don't know if you all know this. Things I know because I know sage advice I can give you. If I make a trade, whatever player I trade for, it could be Aaron Rodgers, it could be Tom Brady, is going to go on a two-game slump. He'll get it back, he'll be fine, but for two games he'll be horrific. So things to watch out for. Listen to me say, if I make a trade, bench that guy for at least the next two weeks. Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, here's another team. Boy, I tell you what, Rick, they've got to be in trouble. They lost Des Bryant week one. Now they out Tony Romo. And I don't care what Jerry Jones says about uh, Brandon Whedon, the most gifted passer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's got to say that. Uh, these boys are in trouble. I mean, they went out and signed Matt Castle as an insurance policy, but that tells you where they're at right, right. now. Here's what I don't get about the Cowboys, and, and it's not on the Cowboys. Look, you talk about a bad run. You let DeMarco Murray go, bad decision. So that's on the Cowboys. Then you lose Des Bryant. Now you've lost Tony Romo. So you got Brian out 10 to 12 weeks. You got Romo out a minimum of eight, eight weeks. And that sounds, <laughs> that yeah. sounds uh, optimistic to me. But let's go with that. That's fine. Now you got Jason Witten. I believe it's, it's either one knee and two ankles or two <laughs> knees and one ankle. He's all banged up. He's expected to play, but he's not going right. to practice. It's two and one. So his entire lower body is gone. It's completely shot. It's kind of like you. Everything just below the waist is useless right. at this point. If you watch the national media, Rick, everybody, experts, all of them, former players, former coaches, all these experts on, on the networks, they're saying, don't worry, they'll be fine. They're 2-0. and Between the offensive line, the defense is good enough. Whedon's good enough to keep them. About 500 over this eight-game stretch. The division's bad enough. They're going to be just fine. This is still a playoff team. That is the most absurd thing I have ever heard. If you take... One of the ten, I'll be conservative and say one of the ten best quarterbacks, he's probably higher than that. One of the three best wide receivers, one of the three best running backs, and one of the four best tight ends off the field on any team, I don't care how good your offensive line is, you're done. You're screwed. There's no other way to put it. Right. I don't know if it's because the Cowboys are America's team and these networks need to keep them propped up. I don't know if these guys can honestly believe this, but you're talking four of the best offensive weapons in football today, all within the top five to ten of their position, all gone overnight, save for Murray. Obviously, they made a what I think is a terrible decision there. We'll talk plenty of DeMarco Murray later, I'm certain. You take them all out, this team is in a world of trouble. Yeah, and it is fortunate they are in the division they're in. Philadelphia is in trouble. Washington, we just covered. We don't know what identity they have. And the Giants, I don't know where they're at. They're bumbling around like they never played before. And that team could still be 2-0. That's the team, I think, that that just because of the division they're in, 
Well, the, the whole thing's wide open. I like what I'm seeing in Washington. I really do. I think you could sustain that the way they're playing. If they continue to play defense, if you can successfully run the ball 40 times a game, that's a recipe to win a lot of football games. It ain't pretty. It ain't flashy. Philadelphia, see, this is what we've seen from the Eagles. You've seen in stretches of games ever since Chip Kelly got there. Never this sustained for seven of the eight quarters now that they've played this year. But I think we talked about it last week or on the slander at some point. There's stretches of games where you look at the Eagles and you wonder how they ever scored a point. And then they'll go on stretches where you wonder how you're going to stop them. How And... I have to believe at some point they could find it, it could hit, and they could turn completely around. I don't know. Right. And the Giants, for all the stupid crap they pulled out, they should have won both of those games. They've blown leads in both of those games. That team has the talent with Odell Beckham, with Eli Manning. That team has the talent. I don't know. No clue what to make of it. But I know we talk about it being down, and, yes, East is down right now, but I don't think it's down enough for Dallas, minus these four pe- these four men, these four superstars, to be even within the conversation at this point. I think it's completely absurd. Yeah, I think they're in trouble. You know, Denver's 2-0. I certainly don't consider them a big favorite. They should have lost that game to Kansas City. I think some of these teams, once they find out that they can actually win, right? You know, a team like Denver is in big trouble. I mean, granted, their defense has been carrying them the first two games. And Kansas City bumbled it around, and Jamal Charles lost it. What, they scored two touchdowns right. in a matter of eight seconds, right. something like that. It's ridiculous. Two bad fumbles from yeah, Charles. Just They're terrible. Awful. One in, inside the 10 and <laughs> one to, to end the game. But I just don't consider Denver one of the, one of the favorites. Well, and we'll go back there to talking about a team. What's their identity going to be? Now, we know who they are defensively, and that's a Super Bowl caliber defense. There's no question about it. But we saw – Six quarters of Peyton Manning doing it Gary Kubiak's way. I, I talked about this a little Sunday before you, jo- you, you joined in. For six quarters, they tried it Kubiak's way, and it was a disaster. It was an abomination. In the second half of that game, Peyton waved it off, did things his way. It's still not pretty. The arm strength's gone, but he got it done. Yeah. He was able to move the ball. He did things that you expect him to do. Now, we can talk about come November when the wind starts howling up there and it gets 20 below and these dying quails he's throwing gets worse. But for right now, he's fine. But who is that team? Are they the Gary Kubiak team that's just not a fit for their personnel? Or do they? does he turn the reins over to Peyton Manning? Or does Peyton Manning say, hey, who are you? I'm Peyton Manning. Shut right. up. And I'm not that high-voiced one in that terrible commercial. <laughs> they jumped the shark at yeah. – uh, bakery tony romo or whatever he's called these peyton manning ones stink but does manning say that's it we're doing it my way and the proof's in the pudding i don't know yet i don't feel good about it going forward kubiak's so respected it ain't flying in that offense cj anderson's been a train wreck the the whole the whole outfit they say for emmanuel sanders what's one of the most prolific offenses and somebody you pushed to get players from they've all disappointed yeah they really have there's no question about it. I don't think anybody more than C.J. Anderson is disappointed. Right. And it's always somebody else in told Denver. You. I mean, it's just I hate to do that. Yeah. I told you. And and it was one of those deals where the, the fantasy football Illuminati mocked me for it because I couldn't give you any numbers. I couldn't give you any legitimate proof. And I said it on this air. I was open about it. I can't give you any statistical reason why it's not going to work. I'm just telling you it isn't going to work. It doesn't happen there in Denver. It's Weird crap happens in places, and it happens over extreme periods of time where these things just keep happening and happening. And here it is again with C.J. Anderson. Now, I'm going to enjoy thumping my chest now. If they take the reins off of Peyton, if they tell Kubiak to zip it and Peyton starts doing it his way, C.J. Anderson might have that value he had at the end of last season with Peyton Manning making you the man that you are, which he's done for a lot of running backs. I just don't know, Rick, even even if they do. I think a lot of these running backs succeed. The, the misdirection, all the nonsense Peyton Manning does at the line of scrimmage. But I think a lot of it, too, is out of fear of Peyton Manning. 
I don't know about you, Rick, and it's a shame. You know, five years ago, watching my team or going up against a Peyton Manning team or any of his players in fantasy football or if I'm, the Steelers were playing Denver, I'm scared to death of Peyton Manning. I'm not necessarily scared of him anymore. No. I'm scared of his head, but I'm not scared of his arm. So I think you can key on a C.J. Anderson. You could almost say, all right, then this sounds crazy to say, well, let's let Peyton beat us. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what, though, we're moving into week three, and there's going to be – I don't know, I think there's some real pivotal games, quite frankly. And we won't get into predicting it or anything, but, you know, Carolina, two ugly wins. They're home against New Orleans. That's an important division matchup, and I think we may find out, you know, is New Orleans that bad? Yeah, is Carolina just going to be an ugly winning team? You got Drew Brees. I didn't even know you could bruise a rotator cuff, right. but apparently you can. Can he go? If he can go, is he Drew Brees? He sure wasn't Drew Brees last week. Nah. Cincinnati at Baltimore. Is Baltimore as much trouble as we think? Is Cincinnati as good as they've looked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of it. Can it Indianapolis, they should walk all over Tennessee. Right. This should be interesting game. I fully expect them to. I, I do, too. As bad as they've looked, it's almost, for them, as I watch that, and I don't know what you think, Rick, it almost seems like an avalanche thing, and and Luck's turning the ball over, and that starts to feed on it and build on itself, and then things get out of hand almost. I have a feeling against lesser competition, that team could almost flip a switch and come back. And look, with the Indianapolis Colts, if you look at them for all the success they've had, they had last year getting to the championship game, quite frankly, they've struggled against quality opponents. You saw what New England did to them in the AFC championship game, irregardless of the PSI of the footballs. I think back to when they played the Steelers late in the year in November. Right. They ended up coming back and making a close game. They were down 30 in the first half of that game. The Colts... It's not a team that strikes fear in me. And, and you you bring in Andre Johnson. You let Reggie Wayne go. They still got as much as you like Frank Gore. They still got questions in the running game. A lot of questions. It's not a team that strikes any fear. And especially now, they're down their entire – every cornerback they have. You could show up in Indy tomorrow, and they'll let you play cornerback for them on Sunday. That's how depleted that secondary is. I don't have a ton of fear of them going forward just because I don't buy into Tennessee. Jacksonville's who we thought they were. I – uh, it's going to be another default division win, I think, for the Colts. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, I mean, it's not a strong division by any stretch. Houston's a lot worse than what I thought they were going to be. I didn't think they were going to be that good. They were 9-7 and seven last year. I didn't think. I thought maybe they were 7-19. and 19. Yeah. They look terrible. They might be 5-11. and 11. That's a bad, bad, it is a bad squad team. they have going there. Jacksonville, I think, is probably the second-best team in that division. Because of Blake Bortles. He's the second-best quarterback in that division right now. And they got a pretty good defense to keep them competitive. Kids making strides. Jacksonville, probably once they get out to L.A., (laughs) is going to turn it around. That kid, he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. I see that. And we talked about it a lot in the preseason. I don't think he's ready to make that leap quite yet, but but he's on his way. Another injury, Rick, that I thought that was very significant. We're not going to talk about Jay Cutler. Andre Ellington's still out. Lamar Miller being questionable. Yeah, we, we'll get into him a little bit later. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who is shown to be you – know, we talk about the tight end with the rookie quarterback, had that huge game, has been Jameis Winston's security blanket. He's out four to six weeks with a shoulder. You wonder what that means for Jameis Winston and for the Tampa Bay offense, who gave Mike Evans no targets last week after activating him. Don't know what to make of that situation there. No, you don't. That's the thing, especially with um, you know young quarterback – he was relying on Jenkins, and now he's gone. It's going to be interesting to see how he adapts. I mean, it, 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 if a guy like Mike Evans isn't drawing any targets, right? is he seeing the defense? Is he seeing the whole field? Because this is the guy that, that takes a lid off the right. defense, and, and it makes you wonder going forward where he kind of fits in or how does Winston – Adapt to this. Yeah, is Winston just is he just not Winston's guy? This could happen with a rookie quarterback. He could keep looking Vincent Jackson's way, keep looking at the tight end, not getting Mike Evans involved. It's 
it's interesting. I, I don't I don't honestly Lewis Murphy, I think, has got a bunch of catches there. You you just don't know what you're gonna get out of that. Well, Rick, we're twenty minutes in. We haven't done what everybody came to do, and that's game balls and stinky socks. And I think it's time to hand out a little bit of both. Dealer's choice. You can go positive, negative, however you want to do it. Let's start it out. So you're giving it to me yet again. That's right. You know, and I I tell you what, I, I'm not much on you know, compliments or anything, but, you know, hats off to you for carrying the load so far this season. I have been, you can, you know, I've been running around like a chicken with my head chopped off more than usual. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you've been, you've been, take took it by the reins and just running the show, and I appreciate that. Well, hey, it's what I do. Uh, I'm nothing if not a professional. Rick. <laughs> it's Thanks. what I do. My first game ball. I'm, I'm going, uh, Allen Robinson, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, six catches, 155 yards, two touchdowns. This kid was – I tell you what, he is just – he almost made my top ten undervalued players going into 2015, but he did seem to get some recognition. But he still wasn't moving up in the ADP quite as high as I thought he should have been coming into this year. I mean, this kid has really established himself in a not-so-potent offense. Right. But I tell you what, six catches, buck 55, two touchdowns, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, we talked about him a lot uh, on the slant Sunday, I think, after you hopped off. He, he came up and talking to Scott, and Scott nailed it. He's a target hog. Now, you see he only had six grabs here, but he can make big plays, and he's the guy Bortles is looking towards. He is the He's the bailout unlike a tight end a lot of times or the running back for a young quarterback. He's the bailout for a Blake Bortles. He gets a ton of targets, and he'll have games like this. He'll have games in week one if it's just getting away from the Jaguars because, frankly, they're just not a good team where he's going to kind of disappear. But if that offense is going, it's going through Allen Robinson, and, and he's, a, he's an intriguing character. Week. I think he's put himself at must-start status here. And when you get days like this, daily leagues, things like that, he could be huge. My game ball, Rick, I'm going to bring this up because I want to discuss it because we all know how we feel about New England running backs all the time. They're, they're terrifying. They're white knuckle. After that, that fairly big performance, game one against the Steelers, it wasn't as big as we all made it out to be. It was just intriguing to see. Yeah, this guy was my sit of the week last week. Yeah, I botched this one. Sorry, guys. Yeah, with LeGarrette Blunt coming back, with the inconsistency with Bill Belichick and his running backs, Deion Lewis comes out, runs the ball only seven times, 40 yards and a touchdown, another six catches for 98 yards. See the new Shane Vereen, Rick? Is he filling that Shane Vereen role? Should I still be nervous? Should I be jumping on board? Should I be excited? Was I wrong in saying don't buy into this hype? I don't know how to feel, Rick. Two weeks does not a season make, I understand. But, boy, he sure looks a lot like Shane Vereen out there in his role in that offense. Yeah, and it, it's tough to say with the New England offense because they switch stuff around so much. But I'll tell you what, this guy, he could be the next Shane Vereen type guy. And, and Belichick likes them. If, if he fills the role – then use him. And I think right now he's a start until you start getting some of these weeks that are worthy of a sock. Right. Yeah, it's almost going to have to be. You're going to have to eat it. And you got those from Shane Vereen. Even when he you knew he was going to be a big part of the offense, sometimes with Bill Belichick, unless your name's Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski, everybody on that offense is susceptible to not being a big part of the game plan this week. And it's a risky take. Deion Lewis, you know, I got kind of a warm spot for him. But I got to say, coming out of Pitt, he's the guy that replaced Shady McCoy at Pitt. And and this was never a real high-powered offense at Pitt, but but they moved the ball well. And Shady McCoy did in college what he's doing in the pros. Shady McCoy leaves, goes to the NFL. Deion Lewis slides in, nothing changed. You you wouldn't have known. If they'd have worn the same number, you absolutely wouldn't have known. That's the skill set Deion Lewis has. So the only question mark comes with what Bill Belichick's going to do. I think being that he seems to be fitting in this Vereen role, you're probably going to see more than normal out of Bill Belichick weeks where you can trust it. There's going to be weeks this kid's going to kill you because of Belichick, but I think more weeks than not, you're going to be safe. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're going for the sock, and I tell you what, I, I 
almost put him on a sit last week on the slant, and then I kind of backtracked. I guess tried to be more optimistic from what I saw in week one, but I tell you what, you cannot trust Keenan Allen. Nope, and, here we go again. You, know, you got to give him the sock. I mean, two catches, 16 carries. I mean, excuse me, 16 yards. You just can't trust this guy. He will win you a game, but he'll lose you three. And San Diego is maddening that way. I mean, save for Phillip Rivers and maybe Danny Woodhead, there's not a consistent player on that team. Right. And, and it drives you nuts. So you own Keenan Allen. He's, I suppose it's possible he's your number one wide receiver in all likelihood. He, you draft him as your number two. You know the kind of games he's capable of putting up, like we saw in week one. If you're a Keenan Allen owner, what do you do? Do you try to play matchups? Do you just put him out there and pray? Do you put him on the bench and eat it? Do you try to, after one of those big weeks, trade him away? What do you, I own none, none zero in 7,000 leagues. I own no Keenan Allen shares for this very reason. For the unfortunate Keenan Allen owners out there, what do you do? What would you do? I guess I just have to look at my squad and see who is there. I mean, case in point, I mean, I know it sounds kind of weird, but no, look down your squad. I mean, you obviously would should have drafted some depth there. If you have somebody like a Nate Washington who's actually putting up some numbers, until he doesn't, I think I would rather have the five catches and 80 yards with a chance of a touchdown than two and 16 or take a chance that you might get the 10 and 150. Right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I like – I would much rather have count on 12 right, than gamble for Shoot 25 for or maybe get one. Yeah, and that's what you're going to get out of Keenan Allen. And Yeah, I would suggest when that next big game comes, try to unload him. Yeah, there's people who are going to get excited by those numbers. Yeah. And that'll be the guy that knocks you out of the playoffs when Keenan Allen has that big week, I understand. But I think you're going to have a hard time making the playoffs if you're dragging Keenan Allen all around. All right, last last week, Rick, I made a big scene about my first game ball of 2015 going to Bishop Sankey. So now my first stinky sock of week two has got to go back to my boy Bishop Sankey. Talk about inconsistency after that big week. 12 carries, 42 yards, and that didn't look good. And the biggest concern is Dexter McCluster. I, I, what were the carries? I believe it was only 10, but for 98 yards. And a Wizenhunt offense, Wizenhunt likes guys like Dexter McCluster. He's going to keep taking work away. He's a more dynamic player. And Bishop Sankey, unless you're really desperate, even after that big week one, you can't trust him. He's going to have some weeks. He's going to make you question whether or not. And even you know, 12 for 42, that's, what, three and a half yards a carry-ish. It looks just good enough to make you think you'd be okay. Yeah. But he's going to kill you. Just stay away. Just you stay away. You can't make Bishop Sankey happen. Right. Now, it's- Dexter McCluster's a guy. I get one or two more weeks out of this. We're talking about an every-week flex kind of guy. Certainly a guy I went on my bench filling in here and there. Dexter McCluster in a PPR format starting to have some real value here. Yeah. The the, the biggest concern I have with anybody is just being on Tennessee. Yeah, that, that hurts you. I That'll mean, certainly it, it hurt just, you. It just gives me pause because, you know, they may get blowed out 35-7. And, you know, you hope not. You hope Mariota continues to, you know, to develop. But – I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm with you. McCluster right now is definitely more valuable. Okay, my next game ball, my boy Gio Bernard, 20 carries, 123 yards. This is coming from a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people said his role is diminishing. He's just got a skill set. You don't look for this every week no, from no. a Gio Bernard, but he has that potential. And Cincinnati has that type of offense – where there's going to be plenty of work for both these right. guys. Yeah, I don't think you trust Andy Dalton. You still, no matter how often we've tried to make these other guys, these Marvin Jones types happen, that it's only A.J. Green in the passing game. You limit how much you trust in Andy Dalton. This is going to run through Hill and Bernard. The difference with Hill when we talk about him with a guy like Deion Lewis where I don't have concern with Bernard, and we talked about it a lot in the preseason when doing our draft rankings and things like that, is the fact that on the weeks, it's not going to be a lot of weeks, Gio Bernard's going to get 20 carries. It's not going to happen a ton. Jeremy Hill's going to be the focus quite often. 
even in those off weeks, Gio Bernard's a big enough part of the offense, not only in the running game, but especially in the passing game. He can hold his own in the off weeks, right. and then you've got him plugged in. You're starting him every week. You're going to have him in the lineup when he has these big weeks, and he's going to carry And This is a nice, nice flex piece, even a running back, too, if you went receiver, quarterback heavy early on. This is a guy that's going to carry, and you have no worries week in and week out with a Gio Bernard. Yeah, that's true. There's no doubt about it. And if Cincinnati proves to be as solid as they appear in the first couple of weeks, I tell you what, they're playing a, a pound and grinding game and, and just, you know, controlling the ball. So, uh, you know, you just see that progressing as the year goes on if these guys stay healthy. And as Cincinnati, as Marvin Lewis, you would think they continue to take that because – you take away the ability of Andy Dalton to lose you games, which he can do. He's won them plenty of games, but he can lose you a game here or there too. You, you limit that risk, and I think you see more and more of this out of the running game. All right, Rick, I'm going to move on. i got such a long list here. I'm going to bring this one up. I'm going to give this guy a game ball because he's not going to get too many of them, and it leads to a larger point. Travis Benjamin, 115 yards, two touchdowns, not only on three catches. Cleveland just won their first game in conservatively seven years, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Coming off of Johnny Manziel in Dan Marino, I get it. He's exciting. He can be a bit of a game changer. They're going back to McCown this week. Explain that one to me. I just give Travis Benjamin a game ball because I to bring up find a classy way on a fantasy football show to bring up Johnny Manziel. If you're the Cleveland Browns, what in the world are you thinking? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. And, I mean, you know, Travis Benjamin, you know, getting the game ball, well-deserved. You know, he has 204 yards receiving this year on six catches. Yeah, that's He's Mike Wallace. That's pretty solid. But I, I'm with you. I, I don't. He with has, Josh McCown in there, this isn't going to happen. No, McCown it's not. McCown isn't going to just chuck it downfield and let his guy make a play. You win a game. You got clocked the first game against the Jets – I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, they turn around and clock the Colts, too. Yeah, so who are the Jets? Right. I mean, you can do a whole show on that. Exactly. So, I'm not sure how bad or mediocre the Browns are. I think they're kind of a middle-of-the-road sort of team. I still think their defense is fairly solid. I think Manziel should be given a shot. Why not? What I do you mean, have to lose? You're I don't terrible. know if he's any good. But I know McCown's not. Right, You exactly. You know what you're getting out of McCown. Right. Manziel probably, probably is going to kill you more often than he wins you a game. But what you saw last week is the potential in him. That sort of gunslinger approach when everything around you is garbage. Pure garbage. Everything around Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel may be that garbage, but he's a special enough athlete that he can make things happen. McCown's going to go out there, try to dink, dunk. He's going to overthrow, throw behind people. He's going to hand the ball off 45 times. You know what you're going to get there. Manziel at least gives you some top-end Travis Benjamin having two, two touchdown passes over 50 yards, and you find a way to beat another bad team. You at least have that opportunity. When you go to McCown, you have no shot to win. None. Right. Zero. I don't understand it. I agree 100%. But to the point with Travis Benjamin, I know he. every league I was in, he was the first guy off the waiver wire this week, and some guys spending big free agent dollars on him. Now, we just found out today that McCown was going to take that job back over. Without Johnny Menzel, Travis Benjamin put – he'd make me nervous week to week anyhow. Right. But he's completely on the trash heap with McCown out there. I agree. And I think Cleveland starts going, you know, the way of Cleveland. That's what they do. Yeah, it really is. So where are we at here? Stink I think you're uh, giving out a nasty old stinky suck. Really? Well, I'll tell you what – I. I don't even know who to give it to. I don't know if I should give it to the guy or for the team themselves. But somebody's getting a stinky sock for targeting Roddy White <laughs> one time. This one hurts you a lot. We're going to talk about this a lot tonight, I'm he sure. He had no catches and only one target and in a game where he was healthy and playing. Leonard Hankerson had, I believe, I think 11 targets. I can't remember the exact it was receptions. Big. Maybe eight receptions out of the 11 targets, something like that. What? Okay, the stock the sock goes somewhere. Go, you know, go to Atlanta in general. It had but to be a matchup thing. It I, had to be. I don't know what it is. What is the matchup thing I don't with know. a guy like Roddy White? I, I mean, granted, know. he may not be Roddy White of four years ago. No, but Leonard Hankerson, I, I just 
you got Julio Jones, Roddy White, and Leonard Hankerson. I'm not no knock on Hankerson. I just find it hard to believe with that many weapons out there that you ignore one an entire game. And and, and it's it is it. I guess maybe the bigger point is: is this start? Is this going to be the start of the decline of Roddy White? I think we and, saw it last year. Quite it, honestly, well, he was banged up a lot last year. Well, but that's how it, that's it. how it starts, though. But he's not banged up. That's well, the whole that, problem. Maybe he is. Tweeting out game day, ready to go, and all no, this kind of stuff. No. I, I just, I just don't think if he's not even listed on the report at all, I, I, I just find that it hard to believe that they're hiding any sort of an injury. Anyway, case being, you know, as a fantasy owner, do you take that as, man, I'm going to bench this guy this week? Or is that an anomaly? Well, well, like we said off the top of the show, you're going to determine that. I know. And you got to let our listeners know. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, because I have to think with a guy like Roddy White, he's still going to get plenty of work during the course well, of the he year. He almost has to. That's, He's Roddy White. That's just me. But Atlanta gets a sneaky sock for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Rick, I don't know how we go, went 36 minutes into the show without handing out this stinky sock. I'm going to start with a question. So we have a baseline. What do you consider a fair yards per carry average out of a running back? What do you want to see yards per carry-wise out of your running back? I would love to see five, but four is a four to four two is a, you know – Fairly adequate average, I would say. So, 4 to 4.2 is adequate for you. I would guess. So, you wouldn't be real happy with .15 then, (laughs) right? Is that what you're telling me? Not real happy. Because you're the numbers guy around here. I want to make sure I'm not completely off the boat. .15 is not good. All right, so that's an issue. That's what DeMarco Murray, the rushing champ from last year average, when he ran 13 times for a whopping two yards. Now, he did, if it makes you feel any better, 53 yards on five catches, so squeeze 10 fantasy points out of this disaster. What the hell's going on with DeMarco Murray, Rick? What do we do? Well, he's already getting an MRI on a hamstring. Right, so in practice today. I guess we will have to find out how serious that might be. But if I'm a DeMarco Murray owner, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, Flieger and Briggs told me not to spend that first-round pick on That's this true. guy. We keep coming back to these things. Yeah. yeah we're not as dumb as... I wonder as... why I did. Yeah. I should listen to these guys. Yeah, yeah really. I'm out there listening to all the eggheads with their stupid numbers and their yeah. saber metrics, whatever the hell that means. Right. Yeah, just just listen to us. Exactly. And we're going to bone you every now and again. Don't get me wrong. It's going to happen. You're going to get boned. Nobody can be right all the time. But... We're, just, we're just right the majority of the time. But getting back to him, I... Does this get better? No, Can I, I really solved? don't. I'm thinking Philadelphia just may be the debacle of that division, quite frankly. We talked about Dallas. We talk about New York running around looking crazy and Washington not sure of their identity. I'm not sure about Philadelphia. I don't think they have the line to support a running game of that nature. I'm yeah, Jordan Matthews certainly is is a nice weapon. Yeah, dropping a little too many passes right now. Zach Ertz, to me, they're not using him. Right. Um, so, does it go back to Chip Kelly's game plan? A quarterback that can't seem to run that type of offense is Demarco Murray, not nearly as good as Lashawn McCoy. You know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just trying to. And, of course, we lost Jeremy Macklin. Right. You know, opposed to having Macklin and Matthews last year. Yeah, now, where are all you uh, Angalore guys? Everybody was beating me over the head with Angalore all of August. Where are you guys at? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is he on the waiver wire now or what? These are the same as the C.J. Anderson guys. They're all hiding in the bushes till one of them has a decent game, and then they're all going to pop back out and say, I told you so, because that's <laughs> right. how they roll. I tend to agree, Rick. I have no faith that Marco Murray comes back. And if you want to put some numbers behind it, how about this? Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to list it all out. That's not what this show does. Well, this is a guy coming off of what? Conservatively 1,100 carries last year? Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, there's that history of guys. Priest Holmes, Larry, uh, Larry, Johnson. Larry Johnson. 
lots of guys like this who had those three 350 carry seasons, it's over for them after that. Sean, uh, Sean Alexander came off a 300 carry season, disappeared forever. History, fantasy football history is littered with these guys who got that amount of work. You know, let's be honest, and we've seen it even in their struggles and losing everybody. Without question, that Dallas offensive line is the best in the business. You've got a quarterback like Tony Romo and a wide receiver like Des Bryant who instills fear in defenses, opening up more running lanes. You go to this gimmicky whatever they're trying to do in Philadelphia. He's not the focus of the offense. He doesn't have the line. It's not set up for him to run straight ahead like DeMarco Murray does. I think he continues to struggle. I thought he was going to continue to struggle. I didn't think he'd be this bad, <laughs> quite frankly. You know, I don't think I was being bold saying he's not going to perform up to 2014 standards. He's not performing up to, to midget football standards at this point. It's probably going to get better, but it's never going to justify him being your number one running back this is going to be bench fodder i think the rest of the year yeah could be i mean that, that's terrible okay where are we at game balls game balls gotta give it to my boy brandon marshall yes sir you... seven catches 101 yards and a touchdown and uh, is a jets roll again you know they've got a running game they got a hellacious defense they got a decent running game with ivory and Powell. maybe not dear every they week disappointed starts. last week Ivory was a guy I was all over, and they disappointed last week. Well, you know, I was not going to gamble. To me, I mean, I told you that I was not going to gamble on Ivory on Monday night, even though he was listed to play. You got a guy like Belil Pyle. And you saw Pyle taking the big carries in the fourth quarter. Right. He kept waiting for Ivory to get on a roll because he's one of those volume guys. If he's not getting his volume, which he didn't, Pyle took a lot of that work away, and you see Ivory struggling. Yeah. But anyway, Eric Decker goes down with an injury. and um, He was know. having a big game at the time, too. Yeah, he was. 97 yards and a touchdown. I think he has a bruised PCL. I don't think it's requiring surgery. But, uh, you know, if, if that's not serious and he comes back, Ryan Fitzpatrick's doing what has to be done. Right. Not going crazy, not making stupid mistakes. You got This guy has more weapons than he's ever had in his life. Right. And he's making use of them. He's got a good – he's always been on bad teams. Yeah. He's an average quarterback. Let, let's not pretend right. like we're, we're going wacko for Fitzpatrick. It doesn't fit as well as for Flacco. He's a, a average to even a below-average NFL quarterback. But he's got the skill set. He's a Harvard guy, so he's a smart guy. Now, you put some real weapons around him. You give him a Brandon Marshall. You give him a Eric Decker. Right. You give him a good running game. And you give him the ability to make mistakes and a defense that can bail you out of making mistakes, we better not start having a Geno Smith conversation here in the next several weeks. He's going to be back and healthy, and I'm going to be curious what Todd Bowles does there. Well, he's already declared that Fitzpatrick's remaining the starter. And I tell you what, I, I think you have to do that because if you're 2-0, you go 3-0, 4-0, he comes right. back, you know, What's gonna? They're gonna hang him from a flagpole if, if they bench Ryan Fitzpatrick well, and, and, as they well should. Exactly. And He's gonna be the game manager type. He's gonna throw some bad picks and cost you a game here or there. I understand that, but you give him these weapons, and I think the biggest thing you give him the defense where, with a Geno Smith led offense with the weapons they've had in the past, even going back to Mark Sanchez, if these guys make a mistake, it's gonna kill you. Yeah. With this defense making plays the way they do, these mistakes aren't going to kill you. Well, I think that's it allows it, you that's to take it, chances. That's what it did with Fitzpatrick his whole career. Right. He makes a mistake. You know, he, he's a bum because right. the defense can't stop anybody. Right. They're well, going to score right off all these turnovers. You can get away with a little bit. Here. Yeah. I mean, he's he's down low. I mean, he's, what, 424 yards passing. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a below average quarterback. Four touchdowns, but he's two, good enough. two picks. Exactly. He's good and enough. And he's intelligent. Right, and he's a legitimate NFL quarterback. <laughs> he can make the throws. He's not going to make the big plays. He's not going to go out and win you a game. But I think with the weapons he has, he's not going to cost you a game. And that's important with, with the type of weapons they have around him. So let's jump here. Rick, I love this one. I love giving this game ball. You've heard me gush over him for years, and it's bit me the last two or three years. For a short period here, at least, while Carson Palmer's remaining healthy, Rick, Larry Fitzgerald, eight catches, 112 yards, three touchdowns. Just love to see it. This guy is, I, I say it, the best 
pass-catching wide receiver in the league. He has been mired in that quagmire of awfulness <laughs> that is the Arizona quarterback situation. And I'm on pins and needles all the time, Rick, and I know you're you're a Carson Palmer guy. You're on pins and needles waiting for him to go down, and this is going to all go away. But I'm going to ride this crest while Palmer's healthy and Fitzgerald is benefiting from it. And that defense is so good. That's a terrifying defense. This team's a Arizona team's a fun team to watch right now with Carson Palmer healthy and my boy Larry Fitzgerald back on top where he belongs. Yeah, and um, it was kind of interesting. We covered that, uh, Scott Fish and I, on the slant when when you were on uh, Fox Radio in Cincinnati with Dan Claskins. We were talking about Carson Palmer. A lot of these quote-unquote experts were predicting, you know, the old – you know, what playoff teams from 2014 are going to be outside looking into. Arizona was one of the most popular picks. I told Scott, I said, they brought, you know, Carson Palmer's back healthy. Everything else basically intact. Right. This team's better, much better than they were last well, year. Certainly. And, and, but, but according to but a lot of just, these other pundits, they're just, they're, they're just a mess. Carson Palmer, 492 yards passing. Not that spectacular. But what he's doing, seven touchdowns and only one pick. Yeah, he didn't reach 200 yards last week and threw four touchdowns, right. if I'm not mistaken. I didn't see any of that game. I'm not sure how even that happens. That's impressive work right there. Well, not only that, it tells me a lot that that defense is giving them some nice field position. True, and that's what they do. You know, Tom Brady – you know, runs up and down the field. Of course, they, you know, they that's just what they do. Yeah, he, threw, he threw for approximately 900 yards last yeah. week, I think. Aaron Rodgers, he's only got 438 yards passing in two games, but he's got five touchdowns right. passing plus another 58 yards rushing. These guys are finishing where what their defense is helping them out right. with. Right, And that is key. And, and Arizona, that defense is swarming. That's a – that's a championship defense. We talked about this last year. Yeah. That team would have been a legitimate championship contender if Carson Palmer stayed healthy. Yes, indeed. But that's the problem, Rick. As we sit here, you're waiting. You're waiting for the news. It's just been what happens with Carson Palmer. Well, you and look at some of this. Everything changes. Yeah, you look at some of this, this, this old guard, you could call it. You know, um, Manning, the arm, the arm strength's He's gone. Um, Romo. Another busted collar. How much more of this? Thirty-five years old. Back issues. Drew Brees. Exactly. Drew Brees starting to slip a little bit. You know these guys are starting to go by the wayside. We got to start ushering in. You know Brady's still going strong. Ben's not as old as him. Yeah, he's still no sign of it going away. I didn't realize this. I heard on the radio today. Tom Brady's thirty-eight years old. Oh no, yeah. The day's coming. I don't. He's showing no signs of it now. We're within a four-year window of there being no more Tom Brady. Yeah. Being no more Peyton Manning. Being no more Phil Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, that whole 2000 in what were they, the 2001 one class, 2002, somewhere was, in there? I think they were one. No, 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 2004. 2004. Four. Why yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. 2004 Because yeah, this so. is our 11th year. Exactly, right. So we're, we're three, five years away, six years away from those guys going on. Things, things are about to change. We, I'll tell you what, this has been a, a renaissance. This last 10 or 15 years have been the glory days, at least in re- recent memory, of the quarterback position. Maybe it's the game changing in general, oh, sure. propping these guys up. But but this has been a real golden age of quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean it is a game propping them up a little bit. But you look at the younger quarterbacks. I mean, look at them. You you have, of course, Mariota and them. You can't count them because they're rookies. But um, Cam Newton, kind of lukewarm. He came on like gangbusters. You know, Colin Kaepernick certainly not living up to the height. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, and all that. He's never really. He's aight. Yeah. He's I not mean, good enough to win you a title. Stafford, I always thought, was overrated. I've said that a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand more times. They just gave Ryan Tannehill $7 billion, and he's been an average quarterback at best. I've yeah. seen no step forward from Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. We, we have to, you know, two weeks and does not a season make. Right, I understand right. that, but. 
No, I agree. Uh, but yeah. he's gone against the Redskins and the Jaguars, too. At least in that Jaguar game, you'd expect to see some movement. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, you just don't see a lot of these younger guys really crushing it. And, um, you know, Mallet, you know, Alex Smith. I'm mean, just going through some of these other teams. Nick Foles. You know, Bortles still has a long way to go. Yeah. Derek, Derek Carr, I think, is a real deal. I've... I've wrote about that early in the preseason i think this kid is the real deal no doubt about it in my mind but to me they're few and far between right now there's not that you know renaissance like you said it's coming to an end all right enough gushing ricky we gotta give out a a stinky sock here this this isn't like us people are gonna get nervous okay is it my sock yes give a sock i love giving socks (laughs) then why were you yelling at me oh because it's fun to yell at you I tell you what, you know what? My sock is going to. We talked about this in the preseason a little bit. Aaron Foster went down. Right. Boy, Alfred Blue was the guy. Alfred Blue was the guy. But he averaged, when he had a shot last year when Foster was out, he averaged 3.1 yards of carry. Oh, yeah, but he didn't get enough work. Well, guess what? He had five carries for six yards. Yeah, yeah. And I granted Houston's terrible. Oh, it's more than more than one yard per carry, though. Yeah, Demarco Murray would five. be jealous. Right. Demarco Murray'd be bitter. He'd take that in a heartbeat. That Alfred Blue is not the guy. He's getting a stinky sock. Houston's bad. Houston's one of these teams. I tell you what, unless something turns around pretty quick on that offense. Save DeAndre Hopkins, you haven't had much really even to look at. No, no, it, it's terrible. And Hopkins paid the price a little. Now he suffered that concussion later on. He's going to be a question mark heading into this weekend, going through the concussion protocol. Probably won't know till Sunday morning at this point. The disappointing thing is, you know, we we talked all offseason about who's it going to be till Foster gets back. Polk gets the fourteen carries, but he did squad douche with those fourteen carries, right? So we know Blue's useless. Now we know Polk's useless. You just can't go anywhere near that Houston running game. It, it's just simple as that. All right, Rick. I hate giving this stinky sock because I'm going to have to admit you were right on something, and it crushes my soul. I don't like it. Oh, it's not right. It doesn't make sense. Dogs are sleeping with cats. The whole world's upside down. But you were right on this one. Jimmy Graham, Rick, one catch, 12 yards, only two targets. So I almost want to give the stinky sock to the Seahawks coaching staff and to Pete Carroll. But for you, uh, I'm magnanimous, if nothing else, magnanimous and charming and pretty good looking at that. But I'll give it to Jimmy Graham. One catch, 12 yards, horrific through two games. And like you said, not being utilized, and that's what stuns me. No, I mean, it just doesn't stun me. That's not who Houston is. And, or, or Seattle. Houston, I mean, Seattle. I was, I was thinking about how bad Houston yeah, was. You can't get off of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's terrible that you have a weapon like him. I mean, and I agree with you. Everything that you said in the preseason made perfect sense. You, you're you not trading and you're not bringing in a weapon, blah, 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 not to use him. Well, they're not using him. And they're gonna. I think things are going to have to change. Now, they've got, um, you know, they've had some defensive problems as well as offensive. But whatever the case may be, they're holding down the Seattle offense. They have to change something around. Well, what better way to change it around than to start targeting a game-changing player? Game-changing, yeah, exactly. I, I just don't understand it. But I wasn't buying into it, and I'll tell you what: until I see it, I, I can't believe it. I just don't think Jimmy Graham is going to be. And of course, I had him as a top five. I mean, it's right. hard. You know, it's it's hard to take a guy. He belongs on your bench right now, right? I mean, until you see a sustained period of time where he's being utilized, right? He's got to be on your bench, right? This is going to continue, and this is this is where you were right. This is the way Seattle uses the tight end, which is fine. But why do you trade uh, a good, a nice part of your defense and a high pick to bring this guy into block. That's not who he is. I can't wrap my, I couldn't wrap my mind around it in the offseason while I was screaming and pounding my fist on the table and calling you an idiot for saying they weren't going to use him. Then it turns out you're right. That makes it even worse. Can anybody in Seattle give me an explanation of why you give anything up to bring a pass-catching, game-changing, goal-line-killing 
machine like Jimmy Graham into your offense to ask him to block. I, it, I, can't, I don't understand it. I know. It's, it's not I, – I don't make any sense of it myself. And, and, and conversely, I mean, I was certainly wrong as, as you were in the preseason to a point. I mean, we thought this guy was good and was going to be a decent tight end. But I tell you what, I didn't see Travis Kelsey being as dominant as he's been in the last, in the first couple of weeks. He was real dominant week one. Right. He was, eh. yeah. But I think you're going to see a lot more of him as we're finding out. Macklin's a nice piece of that offense, but he's going to be barely utilized more than Dwayne Bow. The difference is he's going to catch the balls thrown his way. If Jamal Charles quits vomiting the ball up in pivotal situations, i.e., at the goal line, the uh, you know, the LeBron of the yeah, NFL. Yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that uh, leading up to what happened there. But everything's going to go through Kelsey. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out at the end of the year. You still wonder about that Kansas City offense. But this Jimmy Graham thing just befuddles me. It does it me, completely too. befuddles me. All right, Rick, we only got five minutes left. Let's take it off of fantasy football for a minute. I want to get your take on something All because right. there's nothing I love more than Rick's Bra- Rick Briggs takes on social issues. All right. And I want to know if I'm the maniac here. That and this- I have no idea what he's going to say, so this is not, not rehearsed by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this annoys the hell out of me, and maybe I'm the animal, maybe I'm unevolved, which <laughs> between the two of us, I don't know if we're going to get too much evolution here. <laughs> But that being said, you you don't go to a ton of sporting events these days, do you? No, I don't. I do. But are you aware in most of these places they do this kiss cam now? Have you ever seen the kiss cam? I'm going to assume that they put people on the screen in stadiums yeah. that are kissing yeah. or something. Well, okay. they make them. They, they'll put a heart up on the screen, and the camera will pan to a couple, and you're supposed to kiss, and if you don't, everybody boos you. Oh, okay. Nice little thing, you would think. Nothing I'm interested in, and certainly nothing you're interested in. But here's the headline. Syracuse University pulls kiss cam after complaint about, and I quote, forced affection. Let me just read you a little story and tell me you wouldn't want to go party with this guy. This guy's (laughs) going to be a lot of fun. Syracuse University is considering kissing its kiss cam goodbye after a fan suggested it sends the wrong message at a time when colleges are fighting against campus sexual violence. A regular feature at sports events, the kiss cam frames unsuspecting couples in a heart on the jumbotron while the game crowd cheers for them to kiss. Hearts melted when the cancer-stricken president Jimmy blah blah blah, I ain't reading that. But Steve Port, here's my boy, I want to go have a beer with Mr. Steve Port said what he saw during the September 12th football game between Syracuse and Wake Forest cons- constituted unacceptable behavior and maybe even assault as men forcibly kissed women who were clearly saying no. <laughs> so the story goes on and on, and, and, and here's where it, I'm going to try to do his voice. Honestly, I wasn't out to kill the kiss cam. I was just out to raise an important issue that I saw happening, and that's important to me. I've always been a little put off by it anyway, but never witnessed an actual act of, oh my God, this woman is saying no and it doesn't matter. Will you shut up? It's not humping. It's not the hump cam. You, know, you treat it like it's the damn rape cam. What is wrong with people? What has happened to this world? It's a kitschy little cute thing, and this, this promotes the rape culture. They say that somewhere in this story. I can't read any more of it. I'm going to smash this computer off the ground, and we don't make enough money at this show for me to start smashing equipment. What's happened to this world? What is wrong with people? Am I nuts? Am I way overthinking this? No. I think. What's his name? <laughs> oh, let's get back to his name. Steve Port. Steve My name's Steve Port. Steve Port. I think Steve Port has probably been on the jumbo cam and the woman said, no. That's right. <laughs> Go away, you dork. No, quite frankly, I mean, you know, look, if, if if you don't want to kiss the jerk beside you, then turn away and be booed. Who cares? It's just all in fun anyway. Right. I mean, I don't think he's going to grab you. know, it, it, you're, you're going to be on a jumbo cam. It's not like you. he's going to grab you and throw no. you to the ground and, and throw a lip lock yeah, on yeah, you. Have I mean, at it, you, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, what does I don't understand. You know, you go back in the fifties. They used to have kissing booze. Yeah, you just kiss yeah. a total stranger for yeah. a nickel. Yeah, or whatever it was to raise money. I mean, but you know. Well, that promotes the rape culture, Rick. You can't do that. Yeah. I don't know what the rape culture is. Well, I don't either. I don't. You know, it's a crime. But and apparently, it's, it's a big deal. Punishable by quite a few years in prison, if you ask me. Well, that. But, but this isn't rape. Is sort of my point here. Well, I know that, but that's. I don't know what the rape culture is. What does that mean? That it's socially acceptable well, or what? Well, what it is is we're back to this feminist horse crap. Let's uh, all burn our bras and the men or, you know, all that nonsense. You lived through the worst of that, but it's sort of rearing its ugly head. You know, and then here's the problem. Here's why this is a big deal. I don't care about Syracuse. As a Pitt fan, I despise Syracuse, quite frankly, so I don't care if they don't have any fun up there. It's almost not less of a big deal on a college campus because they are just littered with these douches, self-important people who haven't worked a day in their life, who all they do is sit around and, and think and talk, and guys like Steve Port. Steve Port and, works hard. And basically what happened, I can't play any sports, I'm not good looking, so I can't get laid that way. So what my plan is, is I'm going to become a feminist like them, and maybe one of them, I'll, I'll pick up some of the leavings there with the feminist chicks. They're not really into it, but maybe you can find one in the gray area somewhere, so that's that's my move. Let's be honest. Guys like this, this is just a ploy because they can't they can't get a girl any other way. I stand by that 100%. Uh, Write that going, on my tombstone. He's not going to either. He just doesn't want anyone else to. Well, that's it. If I can't if I can't get any, you can't have any either. That's exactly right. Because he's the same guy who thinks marriage is a sexist institution. Yeah, well, all of these deals. But see, but here's where it carries on. So already, the New York Mets come out. The New York freaking Mets. New York City. How to put the New York Mets last week apologized and they said they would stop showing two opposing players inside the heart as a joke after some fans complained it was offensive to gay people. Everybody's offended. That's not funny. You know, you put. you put Andrew McCutcheon and Starling Marte in there when the when the Pirates are in town or Bryce Harper and whoever else when oh, the Nats are in town. Oh, that's not funny. Come on, that's funny. It has nothing to do with gay. That's funny. Come on. Get over yeah. yourselves, everybody. Just stuff like this just that, that, like, they do insane. it from opposite teams? Or, well, they or, do it to the opposing team. Oh, I they'll, got they'll, you. They'll, shoot the, they'll do their kiss cam in the stands, and then they'll shoot their kiss cam into the opposing uh, dugout. You. you know what I mean? Right. And everybody will have a good larf, you know, except uh, the aggrieved party, the Steve Ports of the world. He gets all in a, in a tiff about it because it's offensive to gay people. See, I think it would be funny if, if you put, like, you know, especially in rivalry games, like opposing players in the heart. You know, you know, like um, whatever. You know, Terrell Suggs and Ben Roethlisberger. That'd be fun. You know. Well, see, I think that's the point. And that's what... You can't have any fun. Exactly. And a lot of what I'm doing here is hyperbole, but this is what drives me nuts. Nothing's funny anymore. No. Nothing's funny. Everybody's offended because Steve Port is offended by everything, and there's a <laughs> billion Steve Ports out there. And, and what we ought to do, we ought to round up and, and poke them all with sticks. That's what I want to do. Just poke them with sticks until they develop a sense of humor. I feel like you could poke a sense of humor into somebody. I think that's and what that's what I do. want to do. That's our. That's our all right. Well, we've gone over time with that. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Sometimes I just got to vomit this uh, this hatred out there. Apparently, because that's what I'm going to be accused of this week is hatred. You know. Yeah, Steve Port wouldn't like it, but we don't have to worry about Steve Port because he wasn't li- <laughs> le- doesn't listen to sports. Nah. podcast. No, nah, fantasy football. I'm certain is sexist, so yeah. he's going to have no part of that. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, week two in the books coming up. Week three. Keep, stay tuned. AsylumFantasySports.com. Lots more goodness leading up to Sunday. Sunday morning. Sat, Sunday morning inside Slant, 10 o'clock Eastern, right here at AsylumFantasySports.com. Blog Talk Radio. Get your questions in. Email, fax, letter, whatever you want to do. At Asylum Football on Twitter. Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern, FantasySportsNetwork.com. Starts and sits there. Everything you need. We'll give you everything you're going to need to be ready for week three until Sunday or Saturday. We'll see you. Take care. See
Tell me this wouldn't be a fun read, Rick. They talked in this article to some other broad. <laughs> She'd probably get bitter if she heard me call her a broad. <laughs> Name's uh, Elena Crockett. And she writes a column about, this is what she does for a living. Yeah, we're out here slugging away trying to carve our piece of media. Out. Right. She writes a column about gender and sexuality for the Daily Orange student newspaper. How much fun, I bet she's fun at a party. Probably not getting any body shots off of her, huh? Probably gets more hits than we did. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we should be the become the aggrieved party. Yeah, uh, yeah. we just have to be offended. Then Who discriminates against to us? us, though? Huh? Does anybody discriminate against guys like us? Well, everybody does, but it's acceptable. Oh, we're dinosaurs, yeah, man. Yeah. They don't like that. We're cavemen. Don't, don't show yourself to be an actual man. Well, we just have to actually be offended by something, which is impossible yeah, because true. we can care less. <laughs> We're not evolved enough to be offended, I guess. <laughs> All right, song's over. Let's get out of here.